had a website, but it wasn't, it was just, it was almost like a vanity project back then. Now it is like an entrance fee to have a business. Good. Hey, I wanted to let you know that the Google guarantee, the Google ads, man, I'm getting 12 to 16 calls a week. My goal is at least do 10 to 15 more years, grow it up, sell it for 40, 50 million, maybe more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Titan Talks. My name is Jonathan Stern. I'm an engineer at Topline Pro, but once a week, I have the honor of sitting down with successful home service entrepreneurs to discuss their journeys to success. Today is March 1st, 2024, and my guest is Donald Gilbert, owner of Four in the Fire Fencing, a fencing company serving Darlington, South Carolina, just outside of Florence. Donald runs the company alongside his two teenage sons, but recently business has been so strong that he's been able to hire three other workers. Donald, we've been wanting to get you on for a few months now to hear about the trajectory of the, uh, of the business. Thanks so much and welcome to Titan Talks. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. I do okay. want to make one clarification, if I can, just for a moment. Um, yeah. um, so I do have my sons um, as a, a big portion of beginning our company, but um, my best friend, um, you know how sometimes you have a silent partner in a business, and usually that silent partner is a uh, financial person, but my silent partner is my best friend. Um, he works right alongside me. Um, if he had the option between 10 hours of work and 10 minutes of conversation, he'd take the work, and so that's why I call him my silent partner, but um, he is as much a part of this company as I am. And uh, I appreciate him and I don't want to leave him out. Uh, so, yes, sir. So, so that was, that's where the four came from, from four into fire fencing. Obviously, it's a biblical reference as well. And, um, and so, you know, there were four that began the company and we have added some, some folks uh, through, the, through the weeks, actually, not just the years. I was going to, it was going to be my first or second question. Tell me about the name, four in the fire. Could you, so we, we have the, we have the people. It's your two team right. sons. It's your silent best friend, and of course you, Donald. Um, right. Say a little bit more about why the biblical reference means something to you, and why you elected to go with four in the fire. Well, ironically, the credit to the name comes from my silent partner, my best friend Steve. Um, he came up with the name, um, and you know Steve has an idea. It's usually a good one because he doesn't talk a whole lot about it. And so um, there were four of us working, and so the idea of four in the fire, uh, aside from the biblical reference kind of, you know, notes uh, for folks going through something, kind of working through something. And when you start a business, it's definitely like a fire. It's definitely a challenge. And so there were four of us with a challenge. And um, obviously the biblical reference come from, we're, we're Christians, all four of us. Um, I pastor a church here in Darlington. And um, we wanted to have a ministry type setting. Um, we have numerous customers ask us about our name. And so um, our name gives glory to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. It doesn't have my last name, doesn't have Steve's name. Um, we want to make sure it's always um, about the right person and not us. Wonderful. I imagine some of our listeners may not know the specific reference for in the fire. Could you say a little bit more? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to. So um, just, for the just fire. A few, just a few words, if that's okay. Got it. So um, to, to make a long story short, there was a bad king in Israel, and um, he didn't like these three Hebrew guys that were um, talented. 
And so he heated up a furnace really hot and he threw them in there. And then the, um, he looked in the furnace and he said, and I see a fourth person. And if you, in the King James version, he says, it looks like the son of God. And in the ESC version, it looks like a son of the gods. And so either way, however that reference translates out, he knew there was something divine going on that was beyond human control. And so that was the fourth person in the fire. So we put that scripture on our shirts and on our uniforms. And I try to, um, like I said, just try to be a ministry as well. So it works with our um, work setting as far as the in the fire setting. Plus, also, and it also gives us a, a biblical reference as a point of conversation. Excellent. So, Donald, you're a pastor as well. Uh, how did you get into fencing and take us through the breakdown of your time? Okay, well, so as a pastor, even though I'm a bivocational pastor, there's really no such thing as a part-time pastor. You just nope. never know where pastoring, uh, when it happens and, and, and what you have responsibility for. Um, so like I'm in my office at the church right now because that's what I do on Friday mornings. Um, well, as far as um, time frame goes, it just depends on, it just depends on the week and, and how that goes. Um, Friday's not just a a day in the office. The crew is generally off. Steve and I work. Um, sometimes my boys work. It's kind of a good cleanup day, a good day to plan and, and budget and um, pay bills and those type things. So um, that's that's more of our focus. Um, instead of running and trying to um, almost finish things Monday through Thursday, we try to knock it out on Friday and be completely done for the week. Great. And then when when did you start the business and oh, yeah. about your, your journey into fencing? Okay, so that so we began. Um, I I built fences. Um, I won't say a lot, but I learned a little bit about fencing from uh, an uncle of mine. He's passed away now. He's a great guy, um, and my cousin, which was his son. And so um, I worked with him a little bit. Well, then um, we built a fence at my house, um, two thousand five probably. Wow. And uh, so I had a little bit of knowledge of building a chain link fence. Well, I was preaching a funeral one day at the church I, I was at um, a few years ago. And I noticed that some of the people at the church were going to, it was raining. And I thought, you're going to run into that ditch. And so you need a fence there. And so I, I know that sounds weird, but um, there was just a huge ditch at the side of the road and outside the cemetery. And so I went and told the church, I said, we need to build a fence here. I said, I'll build a fence. We just, you buy the stuff and I'll build it. And um, we were out there in the rain, I believe it was February, it was about 40 degrees, me and my boys, and um, a guy pulled up, and he said, you guys do this professionally? I said, no, no, we don't do that. And so he said, well, I need a fence on my property. And he lived on that same road, and we went to his property, and in our minds, it was a mansion, it was a huge fence, and, uh, and, and of course, in our minds at the time, and so um, he ended up hiring us to build a fence. And at that point in time, we realized some would pay us for our services. He was pleased. And since then, um, that's been about five, maybe six years ago. Um, we have not been without work since that day. And we've grown. And um, the, the cool part about it was on his job, Steve, my friend, stopped by to help us out because he saw us working because he lives right there. And he said, so what are you guys up to? Well, we're building a fence. And so we... That's it. That's where the four and fire fencing was born. Was there any advanced training or certifications necessary to become a professional or did you just launch into it with the skills you'd developed over the years? Well, um, in South Carolina, there's no license or anything for fencing, but um, 
you know, there's lots of training. Now, of course, there's there's some training you could go online and find, and it's not always great training. So you have to be very careful. But one of the best things that happened to us was um, I was in Lowe's at some point in time. I don't remember the date, but it's been a few years back. And I, I bumped into a guy who was locally um, doing fence work in my area, probably the largest company, certainly um, the largest name. He, he, he and his dad had been in business probably 40, 50 years and um, we're great at it, very well known. And he took me under his wing. And um, as far as any extra training, he was my training. He taught us a ton. Um, my boys learned to weld. Um, I don't weld, but that's a part of what we do. Um, just really, really was a, a great fit for us. And so um, after that, um, I was teaching school at the church that I was working at. So I was only fencing in the afternoons for the first uh, two or three years. And then it just exploded after that. Um, and like I said, so the right people in the right place. What, what was the name of, of this, this trainer of yours? The oh, my, my friend's name is Al. Al, his last name is Hill. He's got a great company. If you'll notice, there are two companies with a five-star rating online um, in my area. And it's Ford and Fire Fencing and Al Hill Fencing. I'm very proud of that. Um, but we've been able to maintain good relationships with our customers and and do what we say. How does that relationship work? Given, I mean, so two five star fencing ah. companies in the same area. Oh my goodness! This is this is a new Zoom feature. Do you, are you seeing this? These five. I do the fireworks. That was good. Oh, it was a big climax. <laughs> so two two um, five star fencing companies in the same area. Yeah. We all, do you see yourselves as competitors? Is it, is it good to have, you know, two great companies pushing each other to, to be the best that they can be? How does that relationship work these days? Ah, see, well, first of all, Al and I, um, he's a former pastor and uh, we put Christ first, number one. And so that solves some of those issues. And secondly, um, maybe to a lesser degree, some would say to a greater degree, Al is in the process of retiring. So um, as far as the competitive aspect, um, there's that. And really, so there's, there's not a lot of competition on that end. Got it. But I can't take any credit there because there's a guy who would be considered my competitor who wasn't planning on retiring a few years ago, who took the time to teach me. And, you know, I can't take credit for that. That's just a good man teaching somebody the trade and refining and, and helping. And so um, really the answer to that question is just kindness wins out, you know, I mean, honest to goodness. And, and we've had situations where he priced a, a perspective opportunity and I priced one and, and they would be different and, and one would get the, the job and one, you know, maybe neither or sometimes the other. And, um, but it's never been a, um, a vicious situation. And like some people say, there, there's enough work out there for everyone. You've been at it five or six years, you said. Is that right, Donald? That's correct. Yes. Any, any big mistakes that you made in the early days? Absolutely. Yeah. T tell us about maybe one or two of those. Okay. So my first mistake um, is something that doesn't have anything to do with fencing. And it's, um, it's just really embarrassing. So when we first began, um, we would price our materials and then we would price our labor. And I would offer that to the customer. And... Um, I shouldn't even say this. So in South Carolina, every time you buy something, there's an 8% sales tax. 
So when I priced all my materials, I didn't put any sales tax on it. And so when I bought my materials, I was paying more for my materials than my estimate. And I could not figure out why. And about two months in, I realized I was giving away 8% on every job. And so that sounds silly, but, um, you know, there's that. And then there's another thing I did. Um, when I first began, I took a list because um, I wanted to be transparent. And it's not that we're not transparent now, but it's in different ways. I took a list and I, I put every item I would use on their fence. And I put every item's cost. And I put, um, I mean, every single thing. And then I put a labor charge and I sent them an invoice. And um, that's a bad idea, by the way, because two reasons. One, then they're going to price shop and say, well, how about I go buy all this material for you and I can save money and then just pay you the labor, number one. Right. Um, number two, um, nobody counts for what you forgot or what you left out or you come up 12 feet short on, on, a, on a part or you have to make an extra turn or, or whatever it is or, or, you know, however it goes. And so I was a really poor um planner as far as the invoicing aspect um supplies I, I just was really i wasn't i wasn't efficient at all in that respect wow well you you've certainly turned things around since then um i mean business is going great you said that you know it's been a yes in a really good three four years um yes sir i know it's called four in the fire but tell us tell us about uh how many employees you have now and whether there are more plans to expand. Okay. Well, so, um, yes, yeah, so we plan to expand and, and we have, there are seven of us right now working. Um, we've got, we have some perspective folks and we just haven't expanded that far yet. Um, so yeah, we still plan to the, the one thing we've done is we have began builds that we wouldn't ordinarily have done, um, things that we have um, learned and um, grew from. I always tell customers, if they ask me to do something that I've never done, I'm always upfront. And I always tell them, if I do that, I'll be practicing. And typically that honesty goes a long way because the customers say, no, I don't wanna do that. Or, or they'll say, I believe in what you do and I know that you can do this, so I wanna put you on this. Right. And so, um, so that's helped. But as far as um, growth, could can I ask real yeah, to yeah. jump? What is it about the jobs that you haven't done that makes them um, potentially risky for the customer? What's the nature of these jobs? Actually, it's more risky for us. We offer a fifteen-year oh. warranty on all of our workmanship. So, oh. who wants to build something, do a, a a good job, find out a year later it wasn't a good job? Or find out uh, in, a, a year later, and, and you know maybe um, something wasn't what you thought, and so now you're chasing it for the next year. Um, you don't want to do that, but we do. We offer a 15-year warranty on our workmanship. Um, so I mean, simple things in our business: um, drilling into bricks, um, breaking into concrete. Uh, and I know those are those are simple things for some folks, but as a learning company, as we were previously. Uh, we would be afraid having the right tools for that, understanding how long it takes to do that type labor, um, having the right people at the project in order to make sure that those people don't create more problems than solutions. Um, small things like that, learning which tools are best, which particular um, fasteners and those things in our business, um, understanding what works for certain customers and what doesn't work. Um, 
Um, I've had customers who want who have brick columns and they want new gates put up and you you don't look at it and and so you just measure it and you you come back to the house or I'm using second person and I come back to the project and I realize that one of those columns is leaning. And of course that affects everything. And so those are things that you learn um, the hard way, or I don't even know if it's the hard way, but you learn this in our business in order to make sure that you um, approach the job appropriately. Um, learning customers, um, things like that. There, there are situations that aren't fence specific and most of those just require planning um, from a customer who may have a water line that's not marked that goes to the back to a shop, you know, those things. And, and so while we, we put on our contract, we're not responsible for their lines. I'm also not going to leave a little old lady with water leaking in her backyard, you know, if we hit a line that's not marked. So those things are um, things that would, would make you afraid um, in the beginning, but that you learn and you, you pay attention to um, along the way. Right. You mentioned the challenge or the, the, the problem of buying new equipment. Oh yeah. How do you determine whether to go with the highest end tool, something in the middle? How do you think through that calculus? So, um, number one, cost would dictate a lot. And so you have to, so we try to buy one large piece of equipment per year. And when I say large, we're talking thousands of dollars. Now, hundreds of dollars is a little different, but we try to add one large piece of equipment every year. Um, and so that, to answer that, I really don't have a good answer other than listen to other fencers. There's lots of groups on Facebook. You can listen to people on YouTube, you know, people that have experience. Um, see how they're doing it, talk to other folks, um, really just, I can't think of anything that we use the lowest end on that we would, you know, say, well, it's a couple bucks, let's do that. Um, generally speaking, um, the, the more you spend, the, the better the tool is. Um, certainly with um, hand tools, um, typically speaking, the, the lower cost tools don't hold up over time. And for, for what we do, you really want something that you can abuse and still get work out of it. So as far as hand tools and those things, uh, as far as large tools, it really just depends. And if you've got the money, you've got the money. If you don't, then you, you sometimes that dictates what you do. Great. How many jobs do you have on the schedule, Donald? So we are, we're probably 30 to 35 jobs out. We have. Um, okay. And so how many months booked out is that for you? So we're, we're booking into May right now, okay. and I have 17 customers to see. That's on my list. So I will see them hopefully between today and the middle of next week. And that's part of the balance that I have is, um, thankfully, I have a great team that, that's great on the job. Um, that's where Steve is amazing, because Steve can start a job. He can start on a project, and I can leave. And I know that someone's there that we trust, someone whose name's on the business. And so I can leave and, and go buy materials or I can leave and go measure someone. Um, so um, that is a huge, huge aspect. But um, we've been able to stay booked. Now, let me say this, and I don't know if this helps anybody that may be viewing this. Anyone can stay booked for six or seven months. All you have to do there is just be the cheapest guy in town. If you're the cheapest guy in town, if I'm the cheap, I have, 
we were probably getting about an 80% success rate on, on phone calls. We would visit a customer and 80% of those customers will say yes. Well, that sounds great. But then whenever you find out that you're not charging sales tax, <laughs> for example, or you're making other mistakes along the way or not valuing your work and your time, um, or you don't have overhead and those things, it's a lot easier. But um, we've been able to manage what we do, be profitable, be fair, and stay um, several months out. So you have three guys in the field, right? Three, three other guys in the field right now. As you approach summer, do you, do you think you might add on to that crew? We would like to, but only if they're the same mindset as we are. Um, tell, tell us about what you look for in team members. Um, well, number one, we're, we're in this together. So to use that same um, in the fire aspect, if I'm having a bad day, everyone's having a bad day. If, if he's having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. If it's a difficult day, it's a difficult day. We're going to be in it together. We had the same we had yesterday. We were, we digging was hard yesterday. Lots and lots of rocks in the ground and we should have been done three hours prior, but it was bad on everyone and we all stuck to it. So I don't want a guy who just punches in and says, well, I am, I'm leaving at four o'clock or, or whatever the case may be. I, I need a team member. And so I need that. And secondly, I need someone who will approach the customer as if it's his or her customer, not just a person. Um, that's one of the big issues I have is um, I treat all of our customers or our potential customers as my friends with respect. Um, there's, it's, it's definitely, there's a business transaction that goes, goes into it. I mean, there's a contract to sign and all those things, but I'm not going to not be personable and if my people aren't personable, then that's a reflection of us at our company. And, and we're just not going to have that. So um, if you're the best installer there is and you're not personal, we're not a good fit. You see, so, um, so that's what I'm looking for. Um, and at the end of the day, if I don't have that or can't find that, then we will remain as we are. We won't trade our values for, for folks, for just for, just for people. Let's turn to marketing and growth, if that's okay. Would love to hear what are the top two or three ways that you guys get new customers? Top line pro. I know this is a top line pro call, but let me tell you about my website. Um, yesterday, I was in a neighborhood. I've got, I had, uh, and, and you can validate this, and you can, honestly, goodness, you, you yourself could pull this up on Google. I had three, I believe, calls from my website, text messages. They were in the same neighborhood, brother. I walked to the job. I walked from one yard to the other. And that's how awesome that was, that while we were there, someone saw someone working, contacted us, and they were actually in the same neighborhood. So it was so awesome that I said, listen, if you've got a second, if you'll walk across the, the I mean, it was a eighth of a mile walk. If you'll walk down here with me, I'll show you exactly what we do and uh, take you to the project. And so um, really good situation there. Um, not, I know this is a top line call right now. We're talking to you guys, but it's been revolutionary on what we do. It, it just really has. Do you, do you have the website on, on your truck, Donald, or how does that work? How'd they hear about you, see you guys? So um, Google search, I'm going, to, I'm going to assume, because by the time my truck pulls up, they are, they're already calling. You see, so my truck is a follow-up to wow. a call. And so um, I hear a lot of, um, you guys have great ratings on Google. I hear that a lot. 
And to be honest with you, for me, um, I don't, I mean, Google ratings may matter to me, but I want to know what they've done. I want to know what other people say about them in person. But um, I, I, I tell customers, the, the customers who are my age may work that way, but the younger customers, they don't. Um, and I'll also tell you this. Um, so one, two, three, the three calls I got yesterday to top line from my website were out of state area codes. And let me explain what that matters. So word of mouth can't travel to New York. I mean, unless we're a national company. Let me give you an example. What, what city are you in? You're in Boston, right? Boston, yep. Okay, so if you moved here to South Carolina, you would know no one, maybe, but you get you, you wouldn't you wouldn't know a fence company. And so not. your way of finding a fence company would be through online search. Right. And right. so that would be your reference situation. And then you may go a little deeper, but that would be the way that you handled it. And so um, I get a lot of folks from our website whose area codes don't match mine. And so that really does help us. Now, you still got to sell yourself to the customer. You've got to be fair. You've got to be honest. You've got to be true. You've got to be available. But that is, um, that's a big part of what we do. Now, of course, I would say half of our business is response to our website. And the other half is probably um, calls that sound like this. Hey, so you guys work for my friend that, that so-and-so, and I got, got your number from a person at work or whatever. Um, so personal references, but I would say half of them are probably coming from um, top line from, from our website. Unbelievable. Why, why did you get a website? Walk us through that decision. Wow. Okay. I'm cheap. Okay. Every business owner has to be cheap. You have to be cheaper. You'll find out you, you have um, more month at the end of the money. Is that how they say it? So um, anyway, um, we talked about a website and we talked about having our own uh, doing our own website, you know, because, well, we could just figure it out. Well, we did the Facebook thing and we still use Facebook. Um, Facebook's very important. And I think we have Instagram. My sons take care of that. So I, I couldn't tell you exactly. So I talked to Steve and we said, man, we don't, we're not paying for a website. That's silly. A lot of people think they don't need a website, right? That's exactly right. And so um, at that time we were, we were experiencing growth, but um, not exponentially, just, you know, we would, we would grow, we may grow 20 or 30%, but 20 or 30% of a small number is not a lot. And so we would, we would do that. We would subcontract some work we, we would be the subcontractors. And so um, I don't even, I can't even tell you at what time we started talking, but um, I got a call from top line. I really put him off for a while. And I've got a really cool story to tell you if you got a second. Oh, sure. So I, I bring, the guy bring, it on. bring it on, Donald. Okay, so um, I talked to Topline and I talked to my crew and we we're like, I just don't know, man. And so um, I pulled over at a church that I had to measure and I had to wait a little while because I had to wait on someone to meet me there. And the guy had said, he said, listen, so here's what we're going to do. Since we can't get a time to talk because I was busy and avoiding and all that, since we don't have a chance to talk, check out the website and see if you like it. So we looked at it and we're like, wow, this is well, way more than we ever considered our website being well, well above what we could handle ourselves. And so we looked at it um, and here's where the story is pretty neat. So I pulled over at the church. I 
do the, the web call. I believe I put him off again and said, let me think about it or whatever. I don't remember exactly. Um, <clears throat> so we loved it. The crew loved it. Um, at some point in time, we decided to go with it. And then in, a, in a, a few weeks later, the church called and gave us their business. So, so actually my waiting time on the church to meet with someone was time situation. Um, but the website's great. I mean, it's, it's been a huge asset to us. And, and I'll say this, and this isn't even, this is now Topline, I think does a great job with our website as far as the look of it. And there was one change I asked them to make and they made it overnight. It might've been instantaneous. I don't remember. It was within a matter of moments. We, we try to be quick and responsive for you, Donald. I mean, there was, it was just a scrolling thing. When you scrolled, there was a part for us that looked like it was kind of the, the graphic was, um, it was a color issue. It looked like it blended in. And so we, she changed it or he changed it. I thought Jane may be the person I talked to. You, you may be working um, with Jane or Joe. And, and now that I'm, now that I'm thinking, of, I think it's Dan that you were. It was Dan. It, it was, was Dan. Dan that you were in touch with. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Dan's, Dan's terrific. He is. He is. So, so we made that change. Um, but back to what I was saying, um, I'm in South Carolina, so all I can use like good old boy English or whatever, but um, the website makes you look like somebody. You know what I mean? If you're going to a job interview, you wear, you wear something nice. Exactly. Um, you clean yourself up and then you get to the job interview. When my customers are examining my company or our company, it's an interview and they're interviewing us. And, and the website is, even though we don't do the ins and outs of the website, we are being interviewed by that site. And it's important. It's important that it functions properly. It's important that it, it offers a detail of what we do. Um, that that's major. You know that that's as important as what shirt you wear to a job interview. So, you know that's um, presentation matters is what I mean. And that's not just for the fencing world. That's for anyone. You know, and and I'm going to give you an example um, on my end. There's a supplier that I use. And I'm not going to name names and their website's awful. Their app, I don't even have on my phone anymore because it's so frustrating to use. Okay. And so that's a poor reflection of the company. They have wonderful products. I lean on them for a lot of the materials, but their website, um, mm -hmm. it's just terrible. And that's just on a business side. No, on the personal side, there's a certain sport that we like in Darlington, South Carolina. And I'm not going to mention any names. Well, their I was going to ask you, Donald, are, are you a, a Gamecock or a Tiger? Oh, I'm a Gamecock fan. I'm a Gamecock fan all day, even though right. we're, um, we're, we're, we're not very good. So, uh, it's always anyway, there's a certain sport. That we, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Women's basketball. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that sport website is really hard to navigate and I just don't use it. And so I love the sport, but I can't connect with them online. And, just saying how important a website is to a business. It, it, it really is important. It adds a whole layer of, of professionalism. Um, and that, that really is mm -hmm. important as you're making a first impression. That's right. It, it really, really does. Donald at Titan talks, we like to close with a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try. Let's do it. Tell me what is four in the fire fencing look like in five years or in 10? In five years, Donald is no longer building. Donald is planning. 
um, selling and um, a lot less physical labor. And my, my sons are heading most of it up along with the crew that we have now. And my partner, Steve, is handling the mechanical side of it. Ten years from now, I will be, and that's five years, ten years from now, I will be um, doing even less physical work, hopefully. And um, we're really hoping that by then we can do very, very detailed custom work for customers that possibly we could even ship out across the country. Wow. I know you have, um, I think it's 19 five-star reviews on Google. Have you ever received tough client feedback? And if so, how did you handle that? Uh, never on Google. Um, Maybe in person, have, has there ever been uh, feedback that you had to deal with? Sure, sure. Um, there have been property line disputes. There have been things like that in our business. 200 feet of fence had to be pull, pulled up and moved. Um, we've done it. We, we do what it takes to make the customer satisfied because that customer is not only my customer, that customer is my friend, and I'm not going to put that customer in the best spot. Um, when we first started, um, we had work. We, we, we have gates in our business, um, especially for wood fencing. Um, gates are are always, you know, wood, wood gates sag. Um, we don't even use wood frames anymore. We use steel, but um, we have replaced those when customers called and said, I have this issue. Even though they never paid us for a steel frame, we just replaced it. So yeah, I've had negative feedback, but but I'm not going to let it stay negative. I'm going to do whatever, I, whatever I've got to do to make it right. Great. What is the most surprising thing about being a business owner in the home services industry? So um, the most, the amount of business it takes to run your business was the most surprising thing for me. Because honestly, when we first began and we were building a fence every week, one fence a week, all I had to focus on was what I was doing next week. I never had to focus on what I was doing in May. I never had to focus on budgeting. I never had to focus on that. So the most difficult side, the most surprising thing and I know this sounds silly, but is the business side of it, not just the construction side of it. I really learned a lot through, through the time. And to close, think back five, six years, what has been your proudest moment at the helm of four in the fire fencing? Well, um, there's nothing that's, um, that I can be more proud of than my children. Um, Steve, uh, it's almost like it's our children. <laughs> because um, Steve kind of took one under his wing whenever he was working. I took one under mine. And uh, my boys were in third grade, third grade. They were nine years old whenever they started helping me. They were so small, their hand could reach through the chain link and tighten up a nut. And nobody had to walk around the fence. And that's incredible. But um, their growth, their skill level, their dedication is unmatched. It's unmatched. And so um, I, I very, very much am proudest of them. Um, as a part of our team, of course, I'm dad, so that matters to me. But um, everyone on our team, um, is, they're our friends. They're sure they're workers, laborers, and whatever. Um, but um, I am proudest of those folks who represent what we do. Well, Donald, thank you so much for sharing your story and being a part of Titan Talks. It was so good to meet you, and we wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me, buddy.